Hello, friends, and welcome to a special edition of Heaven's Light this hour on AM 1160 The Quest. You're in for a treat because we're going to be discussing vocations this hour. It's going to be a two-part series with Father Jim. And the first hour, we have Father Tony Blunt with us as well. So welcome, Father Jim, and welcome, Father Tony. Thank you, Annie. <laughs> Guys, if you can't tell their siblings from that <laughs> statement alone, I, yeah, that was great. Would one of you like to lead us in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, you have blessed us beyond belief and beyond all words when you gave us the grace to be Catholic. We are so appreciative of our Catholic faith. It is the pearl of great price. How did you choose us, Lord? Why did you do this? It's only because you love us with a great and expansive love. Thank you, Father God, for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for Mother Mary. Thank you, God, for the holy Catholic faith. We offer this show to you that may inspire your sons and daughters to say yes to whatever holy calling you are calling them to. May Almighty God bless all those who listen to this show with the gift of the Holy Spirit and with certainty in your vocation. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And that other voice you're hearing is, of course, Steph Ike is in studio with us as well. So, Steph, say hello. Hello. This is a great pleasure. What an honor to have the two of you back with us to share a little time, perhaps talking about your own vocation story today. And I just want to give a shout out to everyone who is listening from around the country. We are growing with this show. We have a lot of listenership from all over the country, and we just want to say welcome to you as, as well as to all of our uh, friends in Atlanta and Metro Atlanta and uh, beyond Atlanta into Georgia who are enjoying this show called Heaven's Light. And I want to share something with you too. Before we started the show a few minutes ago, Father Jim gave us a blessing, and he ended it with, may everyone here go to heaven. And, and because we like to have some fun here, I said, and maybe in the express lane. And Father Jim said, well, I just happen to know the lady that works at that register, <laughs> and her name is Mary. <laughs> we do have a lot of fun here. So, um, so let's talk about vocations today. We promised our listeners that uh, you would share your vocation stories, or at least a bit of them in the time we have today. Father Tony, uh, you mentioned a great encounter in one of our previous shows that you had with God in yes. high school. Can you share maybe how you were called to be, you know, how you were inspired to be a priest? Well, after that encounter that I talked about on the previous show that was so astounding for me personally, life-changing, uh, that really changed the direction of my existence. So the thought of being a billionaire was no longer uppermost <laughs> in my thinking or other things similar. <laughs> Uh, so I started to consider Mass as, in some serious way. But one day, my family went to Mass. I'm not sure Father Jim was uh, you were still there at that time in the house, but they went to Mass, and I stayed home because I was sick. So I decided to listen to a record of the Mass by John Michael Talbot. It had just mm -hmm. come out, actually. It, wasn't, it was called The Lord's Supper. And mm -hmm. so I was listening to that record, and... Uh, and then during the time, during that uh, listening to that music, I had something came into my mind. I don't know how to express it, but I saw something. And I saw a priest wearing a green 
chasuble. I didn't know it was called a chasuble at the time, but he was wearing a green chasuble, and he had his hands extended. And I couldn't see the face of this man, but I knew that that man was me. And until that moment, the word priest, I don't think it ever occurred to me. And when I saw that, I thought, whoa, that's me? It was a very strange experience. I knew that it was me. And yet I was seeing clearly it was also someone else because it wasn't me now. It was really a fascinating thing. Well, let me ask you this, Father Tony. Was he a good-looking priest? <laughs> well, I, I couldn't see the face. Okay. But if I had been able to, he would have been incredibly good-looking. There's no question about that. All right. I'm going to back off on that one. <laughs> so, think, so that was the beginning. And this question was in my mind about the priesthood. I was a junior or senior in high school. I think I was a senior. And then one day I got off the bus, um, got home from school, and there was nobody in the house, in this townhouse that we had in near Asheville, North Carolina. Nobody was there but me. And I had just read my first, uh, probably the first book I'd read that was religious. It was A Life of St. Francis of Assisi. That's a good place to start. <laughs> and in that book, it had said that St. Francis sometimes opened the Bible and pointed and got answers. So I thought... I'm going to try that. This question was bothering me about the priesthood. So I told the Lord, I said a prayer. It was really wonderful. I remember this very well, how there was nobody in the house. And I said, I had, my, had a Bible from a retreat I had made. I said, Lord, I'm going to ask you three times if you want me to be a priest. And I'm going to point, open the Bible and point with my eyes closed. If you tell me three times, I'll do it. <laughs> but if you tell me two times, I will not do it. That was what I said. <laughs> so I opened the Bible, my eyes closed, and I pointed, and my finger landed on these words. Our Lord was talking to this uh, man uh, in, in uh, Gerasa, I guess, and he said to him, you go and proclaim the gospel. Oh. And I thought, well, <laughs> that's pretty good, you know? I said, but then I thought, well, it doesn't have to mean the priesthood. You can proclaim the gospel in other ways. So then I, I opened it again, my eyes closed, and I pointed. I landed on these words, Paul t speaking to Timothy, preach the gospel. I thought, well, that's pretty good too, but you don't have to be a priest to do that either. You, you would have be been a, a good lawyer, Father Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> you could be a banker and do that. So, I, said, so I, I closed it, and I said, okay, Lord, that's pretty good. One more time. And I opened my eyes closed, and I pointed. I landed on this verse with some Acts 26 or something. St. Paul was talking about what had happened to him. And it said, the Lord says to St. Paul, I'm appearing before you and I appoint you to be my witness to the nations. I said, well, even that, that's pretty good. But I wasn't convinced that it was pretty good. So then a year went, uh, some time went by. I graduated from high school and I went uh, back to North Carolina because we moved to Florida during my senior year. Went back to North Carolina to work at a camp for young people. And I began to, I was still really questioning this rather deeply. Not that, but it was really a wonderful young lady there named June. And so I was really wondering, is the Lord really calling me to this? It's such a radical thing. So one day, I think it was a year later, I went into the chapel of this place, of uh, this camp, and I had a Bible with me. And I said, Lord, I'm going to ask you one time. I didn't want to overdo it. I'm going to ask you one time, and I'm going to point this with my eyes closed. If you tell me convincingly that you want me to be a priest, I won't ask you again. So I opened the Bible, and I pointed, and I landed on these words in the letter of the Hebrews. 
you are a priest forever. Oh. Whoa. So that was really hard to get around. <laughs> yeah. I uh, it was so. very powerful. It was a very uh, powerful moment. Yeah. I thought, well, okay, maybe. <laughs> I still wasn't totally convinced because one has to become convinced from the inside out, mm-hmm. uh, not only from the outside in. So those were, those were convincing things, yes, but something had to happen inside of me. And it did happen inside of me without my being aware that it was even happening. So I went from never having considered it to thinking, well, it's a possibility, to thinking it's a good possibility. And then one day I found myself, I woke up and I realized I couldn't do anything else. I said, when did that happen? I remember asking myself, when did that happen? That changed. I don't remember when it happened, but it happened. So that's how that began. And um, wow, a lot happened that's after a good that. story. I, he sure gave wow. you plenty of uh, answers, didn't he? He did. Yeah. yeah. The Lord did, yeah. Aren't you, aren't you happy that he's so patient, Anthony? Yes, the Lord is very patient. <laughs> you strike a hard bargain. Yes. You're probably going to be a bishop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And how about you, Father Jim? Can you share something uh, that you recall in terms of feeling a call to the priesthood? Yes. Um, mine was at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Mm-hmm. And I went to that school, my alma mater, because my dad went there. <laughs> and when I was a teenager, my dad was my hero. He still is. And I wanted to be just like my dad. And my dad was a Navy officer. So I signed up with a Navy ROTC because my dad was in the Navy. And I got the scholarship so I could, we were a big family of eight kids. We didn't have money for school. So I had to win a scholarship. With God's help, I was able to do that. And so I went to my dad's alma mater and I was with the U.S. Navy because my dad was with the Navy. I'm going to follow my dad all the way. Mm-hmm. But I never calculated into my calculus that being part of the Navy is being part of um, a fighting machine. And there are real wars real battles, real bullets, and real blood. And I began to be trained how to be a man of war. And I wasn't afraid. I actually um, I enjoyed the technical aspects of what I learned. I was learning how to use all kinds of weapons, from handguns to machine guns, to bazookas, to bombs, even to nuclear weapons we were learning. Uh, we would go on the aircraft carriers, and they would give us a secret clearance. We could go into the control room. We'd have a secret or a top-secret clearance even to see those controls. And in a way, I loved it because I love the water. I love boats. And I really love that handsome white uniform we would wear all around the campus. <laughs> yeah. And all the girls would look at you and smile. Mm-hmm. And you just love that uniform. You feel like a movie star in that, in that <laughs> uniform. And that really got, my, got me too. So I'm wearing this uniform. I'm following my dad. I'm on the boats. But I'm learning how to kill. And it never really struck me before. Because I've never been a cowardly child. I was a very energetic child and kind of bold, maybe a little bit disobedient, kind of radical, never afraid of anything. Uh, But I couldn't bear the thought of killing people. And I never even thought of that before I signed on. And it was terrible because I was like um, a very good marksman. And in my class, I'd probably be the one who hit the bullseye. I'd be the one who killed the most people. And the more I got into the training, the more it didn't sit well in my spirit. I became uh, more and more disoriented. And I was having um, a problem in my spirit. 
I was a straight A student with a full scholarship, and you have to keep your straight A average to keep your scholarship. But suddenly, I couldn't concentrate on my studies. I was so distracted and so forlorn. And this was my dilemma. I felt I couldn't go on because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't kill anyone. I wasn't afraid. I just, for some reason, I couldn't do it. I didn't want to kill any, I don't care, I want to kill a Russian. I want to pray for their soul to be saved, but I don't want to kill them. And so I was having a real dilemma. If I were to go on, I would be violating my conscience. If I were to leave, I would let down my father. And I could not let my father down. I couldn't do it. I'd rather die than disappoint my dad. But I couldn't go on either. It was the first time in my life that I was in a dilemma where I did not know what to do. My daddy had taught me to be very decisive, to think about things and to make decisions and go with it. So I was always very decisive. It was the first time in my life that I couldn't make a decision. I did not know what to do. So I met with the priest at the Catholic Student Center at the University of Florida in Gainesville. He was a very good priest. He's now a bishop. And then I met with three other priests. I met with all four priests at different times and trying to decide, what's going on here? Why do I feel this way? I don't know what to do. And one of the priests even hinted to me. He pointed to his collar and he, he said to me, I think this would look good on you. <laughs> I didn't even get it when he said that. I didn't know what he was saying. And so uh, this whole time, my grades are starting to slip, which is a, uh, a difficult problem when you have a scholarship. And I couldn't disappoint my father. I couldn't go on. I couldn't study. For the first time in my life, I didn't know a right from wrong, you might say, up from down. I was totally confused. And I thought, what am I going to do? I need an answer. The priests are trying to help me, but they can't even help me. It's like my brother just said that you need to be struck from the inside out, not from the outside in. So I figured everything was kind of lost for me, but only one thing remained. The one thing that remained in my consciousness is that God is present in the Eucharist. Come what may, God is present in the Eucharist. I don't know anything else. I used to be a straight A student. Now I can't even, even add four plus four. I'm so confused. The only thing I know is Jesus Christ, true God and true man is in the Eucharist. So I decided to go straight to the church. I skipped all my classes, which I never do. I skipped all of them. I sat in the front of the church, St. Augustine's Catholic Church, and I prayed and I cried for eight hours straight. And I told the Lord, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know anything. All I know is you're there and I need you. I cannot disappoint my father, but I can't go on. I'm not going to kill anybody. And I'm not afraid. I just can't do it. I don't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? You know everything. You're God. You have to show me. And I started weeping. This went on for hour after hour after hour. I was here literally eight hours. Sometime late in the afternoon, I'm sitting there and I'm exhausted with prayer and tears. I'm just sitting there quietly exhausted. Basically, I was stubborn. I'm not going anywhere till you tell me what to do because I don't know what to do. The first time in my life, I don't know what to do. I'm waiting on you. I just waited and cried and prayed. About 4.30 in the afternoon, I'm sitting there quietly. And I was like, like a last gasp to God. God, what do I do? When suddenly I heard a voice, an audible voice over my head. And this deep voice, like a father's voice, spoke to me. I suddenly, unexpectedly heard this. I want you to be an officer in my army. 
Wow. <laughs> I literally heard those words. I get goosebumps just talking about it. And I looked up to see who in the world said that to me. Because nobody in the church. It's a huge church. There's nobody there except Jesus. Yeah. I turn around, and the far back, like 45 rows in the back pew, there's three or four college kids so far away I could barely even see them. Mm-hmm. Over my head, I heard a deep voice say to me, I want you to be an officer in my army. And when I heard that voice, a father's voice, something in my heart ripped open. Something shifted inside of me. And I actually looked down because I was feeling a physical sensation in my chest. And I closed my eyes. What in the world am I feeling? And it felt like an iceberg emerging from the ocean. You know, when you see an iceberg, it just born to say yesterday. It's already been there several thousand years. It just pops up. You see it for the first time. Something was emerging from the ocean of my heart, and it was the priesthood. And I looked, and I saw a little boy. It's kind of like my brother, but I saw a little tiny boy. And he had towels on as if they were vestments, one around his waist and one around his shoulders. This little boy was me. Then I remembered I'd totally forgotten When I became a teenager, about the age 12, 13, I totally forgot about the priesthood. But when I was a little tiny boy, that's all I wanted to do. And I would say mass for my sisters every day. They had no choice. They had to go to (laughs) daily mass. And my mom would give me a piece of bread every day, and I would peel off the edge of it, pound it with my fist, and make little host. And she would give me Kool-Aid for the wine, and I would say mass and pretend like I was reading the book because I couldn't read But I memorized what I heard the Father say at Mass, and I would pretend like I'm reading in my book, and I would give them a homily every day. I did this for a long time, but when I became a 13 teenager, I totally forgot about the priesthood, and all I wanted to do was follow my dad. Uh I was going to be a Navy officer and be a lawyer just like my dad, and that's Uh it. And that's all I went for. But when I finally pursued that goal, with the Navy, ROTC, I was at the Naval Academy in Annapolis in the summertime, began to learn how to use very complicated and dangerous um, war systems. My goodness, learning how to kill not just one person, but maybe 10,000 people at once, I couldn't stomach it. It led me to a crisis of life, the biggest crisis of my life. I finally had recourse to the Eucharist. That's all I had left was Jesus. And I want to say that to our listeners right now. When you have nothing else left, you still have the Eucharist. I don't care if you're a Protestant. You have Jesus in the Eucharist. Run to the local Catholic church. If the door is locked, and it shouldn't be, but if it is, kneel down outside and pray. Because God is in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Eucharist. And he will speak to you sooner or later. Don't give up. I sat there all day long and wept and cried and pleaded. Finally, about 4.30, I heard that amazing voice. To this day, I can hear it, like vibrating. It was a baritone voice. I want you to be an officer in my army. Then I understood, I am to be an officer. I am a man of war, but I'm in God's army, and I'm going to fight for God. I'm not going to kill anybody, but I'm going to win a billion souls for Jesus. I might kill a few demons. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how the Lord called me. There's something, something extraordinary, I know, but he knows how to touch each one of us. Each of us is unique. God will speak to us in the way that will capture our heart. 
because he is an artist. And our souls, our souls are like the canvas that he paints on. He knows just the right color for each of our hearts. And if our listeners will listen and go to the Eucharist, I promise you he will speak to you. But don't leave in three minutes. Stay at least three hours. Wait and be patient and plead from the bottom of your heart. Because when you do, your heart opens, and that's when God can speak. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Oh, Father, what beautiful stories. They're stories you really can't forget. I mean, I'll remember these stories. So what would you say to a young man who's wondering right now if he's called to the priesthood, if he's considering a call, that call, what would you say to him? Well, I have many thoughts, but my brother is actually the vicar general for our community, and he really has a gift for vocations. So I want to defer to Father Tony first. He has a really a gift in this area. Of course. What would you say, Anthony? Well, first, I'm going to go to Our Lady. Uh, my, my brother mentioned the Blessed Sacrament, and I'd also mention Our Blessed Mother. She loves you, and she's the mother of such things, and uh, the Holy Mother of God will guide you. She guided my life, most definitely. Especially when I discovered the rosary when I was about 16 also. Yeah. The Blessed Mother will guide you. So that's, that's the first thing. You know, go to our Blessed Mother and ask her repeatedly, Holy Mother of God, what do you want me to do? At the same time, there has to be this openness to the, I think, to the will of God. I mean, in other words, what this, when I ask the Lord or the Blessed Mother, what do you want of me? I think it has to be real. In other words, I will do anything whatsoever. I mean, that's why that's what I used to say to God when I didn't know what he was calling me to. I used to have this weird expression I made up as a 16-year-old. I said, I will pick peas in Uganda. I'm not sure why I said that. I said, <laughs> I will do anything. In other words, I will do anything as long as I know that's what you want of me. Make it clear to me. And I meant it. So I think that has to be part of it. You know, I'm, really, I'm willing, Heavenly Father and Blessed Mother, show me and I will do it. And if you have that attitude... The Lord and His Mother can guide you precisely where they want you, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I want to come at it from a whole different angle, and I, I totally agree with Father Tony, uh, but the Holy Spirit, as He moves on my heart right now, and I wasn't expecting to say this, uh, but I want to mention something that's of supreme importance. It's called chastity or purity. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say first is, that virtue is under attack like never before in the history of the world. Amen. And our poor young people, they're being deluged with pornography and all kinds of evil. So like I want to say like two things. If you're stuck in some sort of impurity, that doesn't mean you're not called to be a priest. This means you're being blinded is what that means. Don't give up. You want to go to confession. If you're having trouble with any form of impurity, you are still loved and you are still beautiful, but you need to go to confession. But the reason I'm saying this is this, because impurity blinds me to the will of God. It blinds us completely. You'll never know what they call to be a priest or a married man or a single or anything because sin blinds the soul. So I don't care what you're doing. God still loves you. But you want to go to confession. If you have any struggle with purity, go to confession, get a spiritual treasure, pray the rosary, and begin working on the grace of chastity. And you want to say that because, first of all, you can see. When you have chastity, you can see. Secondly, when you have purity, you have joy. I'm sorry. I work with a lot of people. And all the adulterers and fornicators and homosexuals, they're all miserable. Honestly, they're miserable, even suicidal. Sin makes us miserable. 
And so you do, do yourself a favor. Get pure now. Get some purity right now. Because purity will help you to see God's holy will and will also fill your heart with joy. Remember that we follow a virgin Jesus. And he loves his virgin father. And he sends us the virgin Holy Spirit. And our mother is the virgin mother. And so virginity, we all need to be virgins in our soul. Even when we get married, we have to stay pure and virginal in our hearts. So I want to bring this word out because I think many of our poor young people, if not most of them, if not even all of them, are being touched by this demon of pornography and impurity. You're still good. You're still beautiful. Don't give up. But let's get some purity. Let's get pretty through the sacraments and through the prayers. Then you can see, then you'll be happy, and then God will show you very definitively where you're supposed to go. Pray and work for purity. Yes. Wow, what an incredible half hour. It's flown by. Uh, Coming up next half of the hour, we're going to hear from Father Jim again, and he's going to be interviewing four, well, hopefully soon to be priest. So four men who are discerning the priesthood and it's going to be a wonderful half hour. So please stay tuned and keep listening. If you didn't get to catch the whole first half of the hour, it'll be available online at thequestatlanta.com or on our Quest Atlanta app as well. So you can find that there and take notes if you need to, or just re-listen to it and enjoy it or catch the whole thing. But anyway, Father Tony, would you like to close us in a prayer since Father Jim kicked it off? Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for your love for us. And we ask, Heavenly Father, to bless all those who will listen to this program in the future. Guide all young men and women in the world, Heavenly Father, to your holy calling that you have for them in their life. Help them to know, Heavenly Father, how much you care for them and the joy you have prepared for them. Bless the Mother, intercede for us all, please. And may Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. What a great hour. Thank you, everyone, for listening to your Atlanta Catholic Radio Station. Stay tuned because the second half is coming up next. Join us in a prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We need Catholic Radio because we need the voice of the church in the public forum. We live in a time that the secular voice dominates so thoroughly that we need to get that Catholic perspective out. Just as Fulton Sheen used radio and TV in the last century, we need to continue to use this means to announce the Catholic faith in the public forum. To donate, go to thequestatlanta.com. The Quest presents... Mom Minutes with Cameron Frad from Among the Lilies. 
Sometimes as a mom, I think that we think we need to have it all together and we need to show our kids that we have it all together. But I don't think that's true. I think one of the greatest things we can do with our children is tell them when we mess up. Tell them like, you know what? Mommy made a mistake here and I'm very sorry. I did something that was not okay and I shouldn't have done it. I do it when I lose my temper with my children and I say, please forgive me for losing my temper. And my children say, mom, I forgive you. Teaching your child to admit when they've been wrong and asking for forgiveness is huge. I encourage you to use this language with your children. Model it, show it. My husband and I say it to each other. We say it to our kids. When we do something wrong, we don't say, oh, well, that's okay, don't worry about it, or just sorry. It's please forgive me. And then receiving that and saying, I forgive you. I love you. You don't have to be perfect as a mom. Be real, be honest, seek forgiveness when you make mistakes. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Let us offer a prayer of thanksgiving for the priests serving in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. Eternal God, we thank you for the blessings of our priests who represent you on this earth. Make them more greatly aware of the grace that you pour out through them as they minister the sacraments and help them to fall more deeply in love with you after each and every Mass that is celebrated. Please strengthen them so that they may lovingly and courageously shepherd your flock. May we support the priest in the Diocese of Atlanta by offering them kind words, deeds, and assistance. We thank you, God, for the gift of your priest. Allow them to remain an example of your truth and a guide to all those he is entrusted to serve. We ask these things of you, our Lord, our eternal priest. Amen. joining us you're listening to am 1160 the quest your atlanta catholic radio station and we're so excited to bring you something very special today i'm andy porter and i'm joined in studio by father jim blunt and we actually have him in studio not on the phone so many of you probably already know about the show on tuesdays at two with father jim blunt steph ike carol tearsmith and jack tyson and we are really excited to bring you this special interview today with four men who are discerning the priesthood so father blunt why don't you kick us off with a prayer thank you annie it's good to be here and not have to hold a phone yes <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> So we're going to begin with that beautiful prayer we just prayed in the studio, the unity prayer, because this is the prayer that blinds the enemy and it paralyzes him. So it leaves us free to do God's work without any obstacles. So let's pray that unity prayer for this show in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And friends and seminarians, could you say this after me? My adorable Jesus. My adorable Jesus. May our feet journey together. May our feet journey together. May our hands gather in unity. May our hands gather in unity. May our hearts beat in unison. May our hearts beat in unison. May our souls be in harmony. May our souls be in harmony. May our thoughts be as one. May our thoughts be as one. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our lips pray together. May our lips pray together. To gain mercy from the Eternal Father. 
to to gain gain mercy from the Eternal Father. Amen. 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 Lord, guide our words through the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit and through the prayers of your beautiful and holy Mother Mary. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, why don't you guys start off by introducing yourselves? My name is Gregory Rice. I'm from the Philadelphia area, and I'm discerning with Soul. Just finished Aspirancy. My name is Jorge Jimenez. I'm originally from Cuba, but was raised in Miami, Florida, and I'm in a period of discernment for the Catholic priesthood. My name is Andrew Kohler, and I'm from actually the Atlanta area. I'm South Atlanta, Covington, and um, recently graduated college and uh, been uh, applying to um, assault and was actually accepted into the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. So I haven't begun formation yet, but looking forward to that soon. Well, my name is Noah Burdett. I'm a, I just finished Salt Aspirancy, and uh, I'm from the Philadelphia area as well as Greg. Um, and we'll be hopefully beginning Novitiate August 15th, my birthday. Ah, wow. How exciting. It's a good sign. <laughs> well, guys, it's really good to have you here. And it, as priests, it gives priests great hope and joy when we see young men stepping up and saying yes. And I think we're living in a time, you guys perhaps know better than I do, but a time of fear. And maybe even a bit of cowardice, you might say. Mm-hmm in the church, in the government, in the world, a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. And we really need a great influx of courage and fortitude and strength, and I would say manliness. So I'm so happy to see four young men in this, in our culture, which is so broken, four young men who are saying no to sin and to things that are bad and, and depressing and saying yes to God. We're so proud of you. And by the way, I belong to the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, the SALT community. And three of these young men have already been um, accepted for our community to begin their studies. And we're praying that Jorge might join us soon. We're not sure. (laughs) (laughs) But we we love anyone who says yes to God. In whatever way he calls you, we always encourage that, whether it's a diocesan priest, religious, a SALT priest, as long as you say yes to God and, and go forward with whatever he's calling you to do. But now is a time to become saints. So not just to be priests, you've got to be good priest. It's not enough to be a priest. We need holy priest. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so our prayer is that these four men, Gregory, Jorge, Andrew, and Noah, will become saints. Nothing less than that. Hmm. And what our young people need today is to see young saintly priests who are on fire for the gospel. So what I'd like to do is ask these four guys... How did you first encounter that fire? I mean, let me ask you this question, all of you just together. Mm. Is God dead or alive? alive? He's alive. Amen. Amen. He's truly alive, and a priest should be the one most on fire and most alive in the parish. He should be so on fire that the whole parish catches flame on Sunday Mass, you see? <laughs> so I want to see, where, where did you brothers first encounter that fire? Because God is a fire. It's in mm. the Bible. He says, my, my love is a consuming fire, he says. Mm. It's in the Bible. Mm. How did you first make contact with that living flame? Mm. So we're going to begin with our brother Gregory. Greg, wouldn't you first have contact and realize that God is not a story or a poem. God mm. is real. Mm. Where, where, where was your encounter? Well, Father, I think that earliest on, it was my Irish Catholic Philadelphia upbringing. My dad, after Mass sitting you know you're waiting in the car and it's cold outside but you know he's in there with his prayer cards and he has to go through all of them and 
Growing up, my dad was always biggest man in the room in my eyes, you know, and in that, but in, in the church, in front of the tabernacle, he became small and I saw him consumed in prayer. And I think that through the years, as I tried different routes, that was a seed that was planted that when little light shined in from other, whether it be young men or little retreats that I would be invited on, that light hit that seed. Um, and that came to life for me slowly. So, you know, Greg, what I'm hearing you say is something of phenomenal importance, especially in our culture today, in the white culture and the black culture. And that is we need our fathers. And we need fathers who are holy, fathers who are not ashamed to kneel down in church and to worship God. So your testimony to me is powerful and it's riveting. And it's, it's a word about to the whole country that all of our good laymen, they should be like St. Joseph because they may have a future priest in their family, but we need our daddies to be men of God. And you're right, that's where many vocations start. So thank you, that's an amazing testimony. It brings us right to the forefront here, that priests become holy priest fathers. It usually begins when they have holy natural fathers mm -hmm. at home. Amen. Amen. Jorge, where did you first encounter God as a living God? Well, um, I guess it... I would say it's been a process, um, a process of many years. But um, looking back, there are particular instances in my life where I've experienced uh, the power of God in such a way that has led me to um, believe Him to be a, a personal being who loves me. And the first encounter was when I was actually a small child. Um, I was in Cuba at a parish. By the way, I'm. Jorge Jimenez, I was born in Cuba, came to the States when I was seven. Um, and so this encounter happened when I was uh, a child. Small ch I forget exactly how old I was, but I remember I was at a parish and it was filled with people and this music on the Holy Spirit began to, to, to be playing. I don't know if it was a conference or a mass, but all I remember was that I just felt so at peace so much joy, you know, a happiness inside of me, you know, just moving and flowing in me and around me. And that never left me. Years later, I, went, I would encounter that um, in the Blessed Sacrament, which is um, another story in itself. But that, I would say that was my first encounter with, with the Holy Spirit. With, with music. With music. Incredible. Mm -hmm. We say mm. in Cuba, increíble, increíble, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. You know what, Pope Paul VI, who's now a saint, Saint Pope Paul VI actually said this. But I think he got it from Augustine, but he said that that he who sings prays twice. Mm. Amen. So music is of fundamental importance. It's not just an, a, like another nice little thing. Mm. That we need to have beautiful music in our liturgies. And we need to use all kinds of music, too. The Gregorian chant is the best, but even some of the modern music, like Michael W. Smith, is incredible. Yes. <laughs> and I'll never forget seeing Michael W. Smith playing for St. Pope John Paul the Great. Mm -hmm. And here was a Protestant musician playing for him, and it was phenomenal. And you could see that John Paul was enjoying it as well. So I would say that music is the language of lovers. Amen, yes. And that's what a true Catholic is. He's in love with God. He's a lover of God. So music is our natural language. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. So thank you, Jorge. That's very important. Andrew. I've known Andrew for a long time because Andrew <laughs> is part of our community in Covington. He's a wonderful kid, and now he's becoming a holy man. 
Andrew, where did you first realize that God was real and mm-hmm. even a fire? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so like Jorge said, you know, sometimes it seems like a process, but there are certain times that really stick out. And growing up my whole life, I've, I've always been Catholic, and I've always really believed that God has been real. But um, I think so often, um, you know, the idea that we might have of God, um, you know, s- someday, you know, when we see him face to face, we'll see how beautiful he is. Um, and there was really, there was a time in my teenage years where I really had a huge revelation of who God was. And interestingly enough, it was in confession. And I think even, especially for young people, um, uh, for everybody, really, sometimes confession can seem a little um, intimidating. You know, you, you go in and to confession and you have to say all the times that you messed up, right? But um, in high school, I, I struggled with OCD and, um, uh, and scrupulosity. And I would go to confession a lot, sometimes several times per week. And um, some of I the... remember. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's very interesting because uh, no matter where I was, you know, sometimes you really have this urge, I need to go to confession, you know, I've done something wrong. And um, it would be, it'd be, it would be um, difficult for me, but there were um, some priests who were really gentle, some priests who were kind of rushed, and I, I, you know, I noticed some differences there. But then I, um, I really realized that God was not uh, you know, a lawyer or a judge or wasn't disappointed in me um, when, I, when I messed up or when I sinned as if you know, I you know, let him down in a huge way. Uh, obviously, sin hurts him, but um, I went to confession once with this priest, and it took... It was a two-hour-long confession. I was not expecting that, but I. But what was different is I encountered my father in confession. I really encountered the love of God, the Father, and the priest recommended that I read a book after confession called "He and I," and it's um, this uh, young lady in the 1900s would carry on conversations with Jesus all the time, and reading that book, I just I was crying, and it just my heart melted because I realized that God. Um, just is in love with us, and he doesn't want us to be afraid of him. And after that, I just wanted to live close to God's heart ever since then, and the priesthood is really how I can see that in my life in the future. So that's Amen. how I encountered that. Yeah, very beautiful. Thank you, Andrew. I want to say one special thing first is I know Andrew's family, and um, Andrew's another example of what happens when you have, he's a beautiful mother, but he has a great father too, Dr. David Collard, who's a close friend of mine, He's the layman in charge of my community when I'm away. Uh, but David is my brother and my friend. And you have beautiful parents, Andrew. Mm, yes. And boy, Dr. David, uh, what a joy to be raised by a dad like that. Now, most of us have beautiful mothers, but you have a beautiful mom and a beautiful dad. And it shows you that the power of having holy parents and a father your dad loves to pray. Mm. He loves to kneel down. He says, Father Jim, let's pray a rosary. How many people say that to the priest? You know what I mean? How many lay people say that? And he's experienced miracles in his life. Even when I wasn't with him, he would pray and get miracles as well. So you're an example of what happens when fathers, too, are in love with God. Yes. Can I share a quick story, Father? See, see. So um, growing up my whole life, the pro-life movement has been very important to me. And um, I, I'm so proud of my parents because they spent time in jail. <laughs> and the reason is that um, in Massachusetts, <laughs> when they were graduate students, they... Uh, 
they went and they peacefully sat outside of an abortion center and just prayed and but they wouldn't move out in front of the doors and that day no no abortions happened wow. there and ever since I've been so proud of them and they would share all these stories and of the priests who would go with them and I would pray with them and that fatherhood changed their lives that that priest in their life who who helped them in the pro-life movement and then growing up, I just remember going down to downtown Atlanta, and my dad would be across the street holding my little little brother who was a baby, and he'd be um, he'd be there, and he'd counsel people walking in. You know, you don't have to do this. We can we can help you. And I remember him um, befriending the security guard across the street, who was just part of a security company, but he was detailed to that area. And security guard was a good a good black man, and. Um, after my dad became friends with him and they they would talk when he was over there, there was one day when the security guard uh, went and he walked up to one of the young ladies who was going in and who um who was also a young black lady and he was uh, he said you know you don't you don't have to go in and do this you can go speak to the people over there and I was just so proud of my dad because he's he's standing there he's saving lives and he's also encouraging other men to stand up as well and so. I just uh, I wanted to bring that forward in my life, and in college I was involved in the pro-life movement, but it gave me a missionary aspect, and that I want to be a man like that who can stand up for others too. So my dad's very special. Yeah, not just with his words, but with his his example, eh? Mm -hmm. And one little thing before we go on to Noah is that you mentioned something incredibly important, especially in theology of recent years, is that the church tends to express the seven sacraments as an encounter with the living Christ. Mm. So it's not just a ritual. It's not just a thing that we do, that the sacrament should be well done. And we should never rush the mass, by the way. We should never rush through the mass. That every one of the seven sacraments is an encounter with Jesus Christ. And if the priest prepares himself well, and if the penitent or the, the Catholic who's coming prays the rosary, you will touch God in the sacrament, and he will touch you. And so you display that to us in your words that, Every sacrament, especially confession and communion, mm. an encounter. God can touch us. If we go to the sacrament and pray first, Jesus and Mary, let me experience your touch in this sacrament. Mm. Noah. Noah is my buddy from Philadelphia. And we have we have so I have a very interesting history filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Mm. Noah, when did you first encounter that God is real and mm. He's alive? Well, both of my parents are converts to the faith. My dad is a Protestant convert, and then my mom is a Jewish convert to the faith. Mama Mia. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were always on fire for the faith, very charismatic, very um, fervent in their faith. And they, my mom would pray in tongues, um, and she would, she would consult God in the Bible opening up, and the Holy Spirit would guide her. Um, and so when I was 10, I went through this little crisis of faith, and I, we were praying, and, I, and one night I was like, I don't even know if God exists. And uh, my mom said, let's see what God has to say about that. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so we opened the Bible, and I opened up directly to Psalm 14.1, which says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. <laughs> so God put me quickly right back in my place. He's like, I'm calling you to the priesthood. You're not going to be able to doubt my existence. Come on. <laughs> and so uh, that, that began uh, in me a, a desire to, to know God, but it got buried you know, in my growing up as an adolescent. But then when I was 14, that, that call to holiness um, made an appearance again when I went to a Quo Vadis, a priestly discernment re retreat. 
And though I was only 14, I, I felt distraught about my vocation. I wanted to know then. And God knew that I was impatient, so he, he actually came through. I came back from the retreat, and I went into the house, and I said, Mom, I just asked God for an unmistakable sign. <laughs> he has to give me a rainbow because of my name. Noah. <laughs> yes, Noah. And uh, so I went out the front door looking for the rainbow in the sky. And, and uh, I came back inside, and my mom had left the kitchen. But before, when I went outside, she had fell to her knees, and she said, God, this is your chance. And um, I came back inside. She wasn't in the kitchen anymore. She had left. She had went out the back door. She was jumping for joy on the deck because right behind our house was a double rainbow. Wow. Wow. Yeah. God, uh, he's a God of miracles. And he's Amen. generous. Mm-hmm. So generous. So you had some really clear encounters yes. with this beautiful God as a teenager. Yes. And I think we can agree on this, brothers, all four of, all five of us, is that isn't God beautiful? Mm. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Not pretending. I mean, he is beautiful. And this is what's so frustrating to me sometimes, even in my prayer last night. Lord, help us to find a way to tell the world how beautiful you are. Amen? Amen. Amen. He's not boring. He's not ugly. He's not mean. We are. He's beautiful. <laughs> we got to find a way to get that word out. Mm-hmm. Amen? Amen. So what I'm thinking is I have four future priests, I believe, here, maybe four saintly priests. So I want to, uh, each one of them, Greg, Tell us, how would you convince, let's say, a group of teenagers, in, like in, in, a, in a sentence or a paragraph, mm-hmm. how would you convince them how beautiful God is? How would you tell them? I would say that God's goodness is hidden. You don't even know the amount of little things that he is doing for you on a moment-to-moment basis, the little consolations of heart he is giving you, the little protections he is providing you, the little moments of inspiration and accompaniment, and they surround you all the time, all the time. And so really, it, it calls forth gratitude. Mm-hmm. And you know what I learned a long time ago? That if I'm not grateful to God, and I don't know how to be grateful, mm-hmm. I have a real easy solution. Just start saying thank you. Mm-hmm. Even you don't feel it. Just say it. Say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You'll start feeling it soon enough. Mm-hmm. So very good. God is always there helping me in visible ways, yes, but in many invisible ways mm-hmm. as well, including giving me good parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Jorge. How would you tell a group of teenagers in particular that you've encountered God and God is beautiful? Um, well, I guess the only way to know is to encounter Him, right? So I would say, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Especially, I encourage all you who are listening, um, go to the Blessed Sacrament. Go to the chapel where Jesus is present in the tabernacle and ask Him to reveal Himself to you. That's what I did um, towards the end of my high school years, early college. And Jesus did reveal Himself to me in a personal, tangible way. And I encourage all of you to do so. And you will see that He will reveal Himself to you. Um, Yes, ask and you will receive. Are you trying to tell me, Jorge, that God is real? (laughs) Yes, He is. And that, are you trying to tell me that he actually loves me? He does. And do you mean that if I ask him, he's going to show me that he loves me? Yes. Dude, you're going to be my best friend. <laughs> That's awesome. Very good. Especially like we mentioned the Blessed Sacrament. We have lost it in our time. We have lost devotion, love, and awareness. And that's why St. John Paul said, Lord, give back to the church Eucharistic awe, Eucharistic wonder. And when the victory comes, I'm going to tell the audience right now, whoever's listening, 
we're in bad times now. That's okay, because God's going to cleanse the church and cleanse the world. But there is a victory coming like no other is coming. The triumph, it's coming. And it's going to be a time of the Eucharistic reign of Jesus, where every human being on the face of the earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's alive and loving me in the Eucharist. Amen? Amen. Amen. A time of the Eucharist is coming. Now, Mr. Andrew, how would you say, how would you tell young people how beautiful God is? Hmm. How would you convince them or persuade them? What do you know of the beauty of God? Right. And uh, I, I want to say, um, first of all, that Jorge really touched on it when he mentioned Jesus in the Most Holy Eucharist. Um, because if I was to answer how I've encountered how beautiful God is, um, from my own experience, especially in college, um, just like the time every day that I, I, would, I was blessed to go to a Catholic college, the University of Dallas, and in the heart of campus was a chapel. And just sitting there or kneeling there in, in the presence of Jesus brought so much peace and consolation to me. And over time, with the more time that you spend with Jesus, um, you can really develop a relationship with Him. And, you know, um, you can pray like the rosary or you can journal um, and just write in your journal as if you're writing a letter to Him in adoration. You can just, just sit quietly. Mother Teresa would just sit in, in His presence. So the Eucharist is, is a beautiful way to encounter Jesus intimately. You know, he's, he's made himself so small and so humble. He's literally become, become a piece of bread um, in order not to frighten us. He just wants to become so close to us. And then the second way, which I just have to mention, is so important, is Our Lady. Um, the gift of Our Lady shows how good God is. So God is our Father, but He knows that we also need a mother. And... Um, so Our Lady, um, get to know Our Lady. She's your mother. She is so beautiful. She's so pure. She's so holy. And um, and the book of Judith in the Bible calls her the fairest honor of our race. So she is um, she's one of us, right? But she's the fairest of all of us and in a certain sense mediates us to Jesus who is the mediator between humanity and God. And uh but Our Lady is so good. You know, she's she's a mom. And uh, so Our Lady in the Eucharist is what, what I have to say about how beautiful God is. Andrew, I want to jump in on that because you actually said one thing with two different angles. And really what you said, you talked about going to the, the, the beautiful chapel of the Eucharist. Mm. And then you mentioned Our Lady. You see, because what do they have in common? They're both beautiful. And this is one thing that the world and even the church has forgotten the importance of beauty. One theologian said, in the end, beauty will save the world. Beauty. Mm -hmm. And that our churches and our chapels should be beautiful. They shouldn't be like stripped bare and ugly. Our chapels should be beautiful and our masses should be beautiful. And you know, Mary is the representative of the icon of the church. She's like the church on two feet. And she's beautiful. <laughs> so Mary shows the church how beautiful she must be. How can we win people over to the beauty of God? When our lives are ugly, if our music is ugly, even at home, if our churches are ugly. And so what you're, I think, revealing to us is this, is that God is unutterably beautiful, and that beauty is reflected in his mother and needs to be reflected in our churches as well. Amen. God is beautiful. Noah, what can you tell us? What would you tell a group of teenagers? How would you touch them to say, hey, this God that you're forgetting, this God is beautiful. you got to get to know him. Amen. <laughs> Yeah, what I would say is that God is a healing father. And uh, I was the same exact way as any um, teenager was. 
um, or is, because I didn't realize that if you're an atheist, you have nothing to gain if you're right, right? But if you are a Catholic, you have every you have everything to gain. Well, like when you die, if you are an atheist, you have nothing to lose. Oh yeah, you're nothing now, but you ha you were you were right. That's and you're dead, right? But if you're a Catholic, you have everything to gain when you're dead. Everything. And we're this is this this world is not our our home. It's our ship. This this world is passing away, but we have trillions of years of ecstasy and bliss and happiness awaiting us. Um, but what I would say about the Healing Father is that when I was throughout my entire life, I had allergies, severe allergies to everything but dirt and water. I would say um, I could only eat like meat, fruit, and vegetables. Um, but when I was around seventeen, I went to Father Jim Blunt for healing prayer. And he prayed over me with the relic of St. Hannibal and the relic of the True Cross, which is right here with us. And after the meeting, I was healed. And it also came along with the reconciliation with my father. And, um, and I was able to see that God, God sees our, our weaknesses, he sees our sicknesses, and he wants to heal us. He desires to heal us. He desires to show us his love. Um, and with that reconciliation with my earthly father came a reconciliation with my Heavenly Father. Amen. Yeah, I would say one little word on that would be this. It's actually a word from one of our new young saints, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. And do you know what he said once? This is unbelievable. The wisdom of young people. Hmm. He actually said this. Sadness is atheism. Hmm. Wow. How's that for a quote from a young guy like 24 years old? Sadness is atheism. So I want to tell you that, you know what joy is? Joy is Catholicism. Mm -hmm. True Catholicism Amen. is holy joy. Mm -hmm. And so we pray that these four good young men will become apostles of joy. We cannot win the world with sadness. The world is already sad. We need to win the world with joy. Amen. 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 I want to tell you, our Father in heaven, he's beautiful. I've seen his eyes. His eyes are a burning fire of joy. Mm -hmm. And he wants to bring us to that joy. May we burn with that joy now through the Eucharist. May everyone who hears this broadcast, may you be touched with his loving joy forever. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160, The Quest. 